Magic Seekers and welcome to Turns Out She's a Witch. We're your hosts Tracy and Shannon and welcome to our podcast coven. I'm good. I'm happy to be back with you. I'm loving having you back. It's been a couple of episodes, but... It has, although I know Laura loves it. Oh, and I love speaking to Laura too. It's been it's been really good. But it's lovely uh-huh. to see your face again via Zoom. I know. Yes. And I'm sitting in um, my, I call it, we call it the spirit room at home. Um, and usually the blinds down halfway and it just stays like that. It always just stays like that. Um, but this morning I was just admiring and looking at the light dancing off the trees and the little water droplets that are still there and spider webs. And I just thought, nope, I'm going to open up the whole blind and I'm just going to just watch dancing lights while I listen to Sharon, Shannon talk. Beautiful. Oh, it's been a good What are we morning. talking about today? So today we are doing the second part of the series of the elements on mm-hmm. the elements. Can I? Pre- oh, yeah. Can I guess? <laughs> I just heard you though. Have a guess. It turns out we're doing water. Yes, we are doing water today and it's Yay. an element very close to my heart. So I don't know whether it's that, you know, because I'm a little Piscean or because I love the ocean and surfing, but yeah. Yeah. And there's so many different ways to love water, so many different ways, because I don't love it the way you love it, but water and fire are my two elements, and I love them both, so I'm super excited to be a part of today's episode. Yay! Can't wait to learn. I've got lots to share. I've really loved um, delving into this one, that's for sure. Well, let's get started then. So, um, first of all, let's talk about the symbols. So what kind of symbols are representative of water? So the elemental symbol for water is an upside down triangle. So that one's pretty easy. And other symbols associated with water are the scallop shell, a chalice or a cup. Um, And those like chalice and cup are also depicted in tarot cards as well, which are usually governed by water. So they're kind of the main, main symbols for this element. And I know that in um, Indigenous and Paganism as well, that uh, these symbols of water were used uh, and left kind of around the land for other people in the tribes or other people from their religion or their group to recognise where water is or that that, that to, to guide them to water. Yeah, yeah, it would yeah. have been for sure. It's, I love that. Um, and so what about... Um, just on symbols of water quickly, what about um, the, like, the wave symbols? Yeah. Like the the little waves that people get, like, tattooed. They're, like, little, little like, simple wave yeah. design, I guess. Yeah, I actually got, got one of those on my finger. Um, Boo and I got the wave tattooed on our wedding ring fingers for Aww. our 20th wedding anniversary because we both surf and love love the water and we both met at Shelley Beach so for us it was that symbolism um, symbolism water's always been present in our or it's present wow. in everyone's lives but very much so for us like the the waves in the ocean so um and I guess Matt and yeah, I got matching tattoos on our 12th wedding anniversary oh beautiful what'd you get yeah we've got we've got the um the Celtic double ah, infinity on beautiful. our wrists mm, yeah love it that's a nice thing yeah. to do but yeah, I guess people getting um, waves, it's just expressing that love, that love of the ocean and that connection and flow and, flow. and also um, a reminder of that feeling of when you're in salt water. Uh, I know myself as a surfer, like there's nothing I can even put close to sitting out in the ocean on my surfboard and you are so present and in that moment because you have to be, like if you're not, you're, you're going to probably get knocked off your surfboard. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just a a beautiful space to be in to feel held and I guess maybe that comes back to 
you know, we we're all held in water in our mother's wombs in amniotic fluid. Mm. And I feel that when I'm in the ocean or even just swimming in the ocean, it's being held, really, really held mm, by I the mother. I love that. Mm. Floating, Absolutely. but held safe. And is there a star sign that has those? Is it Aquarius that has those waves? What's the star it sign does. that looks like waves, but it's not? It is Aquarius, it is? which kind of spins okay. me out because Aquarius is an air sign, but it's the water mm. bearer. So, mm, but I guess, mm. you know, water and air are quite intrinsically linked, I guess. So, mm. yeah. And so, what star signs are water then? Well, Pisces, like me, and also Cancer and Scorpio. Mm. Okay. So Matt, my husband's Scorpio, so he's water. My sister's Cancer, so she's water. Okay. You're water. I'm surrounded by um, water. I am. Water, water, water. <laughs> I'm surrounded by, as you know, I'm surrounded by Geminis, like lots and lots of Geminis in my yeah. life. Um, you and my daughters and my brother and my sister and my brother-in-law. and Yeah, so there's, I've got lo- loads of um, air signs around me. I'm I'm mostly surrounded by Aries, so there's a lot of Aries in my life. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, so, all right. Okay, so if, like you just said, with air and water, what you just said that they, they work together. So yeah. explain that a little bit in terms of the other elements and water. Yeah, for sure. So I'll start off with air and water. So water and air can combine to corrode and dissolve metals. Or air can act as a carrier for water, so transporting water vapour around Mm. the world, which also aids in our water cycle. And also air can be used to make water, as water is one part oxygen and two parts hydrogen. So they're both originally Mm. gases. So maybe that's kind of where that Aquarius symbol comes in, perhaps. Maybe. Um, So when combining... I'm going to ask a special someone if she knows when I interview her this weekend for Turns Out She's Psychic. Please do. I'd love to know. I would love to know. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, when combining their more potent forms of air and water, they form hurricanes and thunderstorms. Mm, True. My (laughs) favourite. Well, maybe that's why, because I'm an air sign, maybe that's why I love water so much. Mm, Maybe because I don't love wind. I hate wind. So I hate air and I love water. Yeah, yeah. I'm hearing you. How was the weather on, was it Monday? Sunday? Oh, my gosh. Like, actually, that'll have to come up in our air episode. I just get so freaked out when it's really, really windy. And I do. I do. I don't like it. And my kids think it's funny because I sit there just going, Oh my gosh, it's really windy. It's really windy. <laughs> they just look at me like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I only really like air when it's combined with a thunderstorm. Like I loved that weather the other night. I feel like I feel like it wakes something up inside of me. Like I've got a spring in my step and I almost I don't know, I feel like um it it the only the best way I could describe it would be that it feels like it wakes something up in my spirit but if it's just windy and it's a beautiful day I hate it and I'm miserable (laughs) (laughs) do you think maybe combined with water it's the is it negative ions that maybe thunderstorms bring perhaps that maybe yeah just the power and the strength it Mm. feels like it's conjuring something and I love it I get excited for sure it feels magical well we are going to talk about thunderstorms lately later on so oh yay Mm. And then, uh, yeah, back to how it works with the other elements. So water and fire. So water can be extingu- uh, used to extinguish fire, while on the other hand, fire can evaporate water, forming steam, mist and fog, which um, are all elements of water. And water with the earth. So water can feed the earth, providing it with life-giving properties so plants and animals can flourish. However, water can also destroy the earth through flooding and erosion. So mm. it is that balance, which I did chat to Laura about last week of, um, I guess, sometimes one element's more dominant than the other and other times they work in perfect harmony. So it's Well, cycles. they're always working in harmony because they know what's needed. So it's just the yin and the yang of everything really, isn't it? It's They, they are a divine um, force and so when one knows what it's needed it it will allow the other one to to step in and vice versa and then when 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 it's just a, a stillness that's needed then they both sit evenly mm. 
Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Beautiful. Beautiful. And, okay, so in saying that then, when you were talking about steam and um, fog and things like that, in, in terms of, like, how water is changed by other elements and um, the types of water, like we've got the ocean water, we've got spring water that we drink, we've got moon water, we've got so many different waters. So it's like crazy. Do, does, we've got rain it, as well, snow, well water, yeah. ice. So when it... <laughs> yeah yeah and so when it comes to magic and witchcraft um does the t- like obviously because we learn about moon water as a divine tool of the week a few weeks ago mm-hmm. um what when when water changes or what types of water do you use for magic yeah well definitely the type of water does influence its magical properties and how you can use it uh, in your spell work so there's so many to cover. Like this is such an in-depth uh, element to go into. So I'll just name a few for this podcast. But I do recommend, uh, you know, if you're interested in any particular uh, version of water to definitely get online and, and look it up. But I will name a few now. So I've got uh, rainwater. So it takes on the property of the storm from which it was born. So, for instance, sun showers can be used for solar magic, nourishment and healing. Whereas, Hmm. yeah, which is beautiful. And dreary weather, which you were talking about um, before, is for resting, rejuvenation and protection work. And I know you feel very aligned with that. (laughs) Such a pluviophile. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. I'm just so happy. I'm not dreary at all. Yeah, resting and rejuvenation. I guess it allows Mm. you. I know I sometimes feel like that when it's really bright and sunny outside. You kind of feel like you have to get out amongst it because... It's too beautiful uh, not to. I never have that. Don't you? <laughs> I no, definitely never. Do. When everyone talks about that, I'm just like, yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> See, when it's like horrible weather, that's like my permission slip to go, all right, I'm going to stay inside and watch Netflix <laughs> and do nothing yeah. much. Yeah. Well, a beautiful day to me is sit outside in the sun, um, but do nothing. Yeah. And a rainy, gloomy, dreary, stormy day for me is like busy little bee. And, oh, wow. Um, I actually want to get out. And I've got so mem- many memories from when I was younger of um, like we lived in an area that flooded mm-hmm. a lot, like pretty much every year there would be a flood. Um, and there were obviously storms that caused those floods. And I think they were... When the storms happened, they were fun times after it and before it. Um, like mm. we would swim in the floodwaters, don't tell anyone. It was the very early 80s, so shush no judgment. <laughs> hey, I did that too. I do remember doing that as well. <laughs> um, but my mother actually has an extreme fear of lightning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I also think that there was this, you know, little Miss Rebellion, Tracy, um, little, little heathen um, <laughs> that that saw that um, oh, I can't even describe it. It's going to sound so disgustingly just wretched of me to say this, but I almost felt like, well, I'm going to love it because you hate it. It's yeah. just like, <laughs> it's kind of like watching, finest. yeah, like watching my mum hide and close all the curtains and I'd be there peeking just going, yes, look at this light show, <laughs> listen to that roaring. And my mum would just be wanting to be still. But fair call. I mean, she was nearly um, struck by lightning. So oh, they had wow. a, they were away water skiing and there was thunder and it knocked her off her skis and she ended up having to um, have surgery on her knee. And when she came home from the hospital, um, she was obviously in bed for weeks because she needed to keep a leg up and couldn't really move with it, but she was allowed to be at home. And so she was in her bedroom, but the day before they went water skiing, they moved their bedroom around Mm -hmm. and where the bed used to be is the, um, like the dressing table was there now. And she had blow dried her hair that day and left the hairdryer plugged in on, on top of that, uh, dresser, um, which is where her bed was the day before or two days before. Um, and the lightning struck that, the, the PowerPoint where the, wow. Yeah, where the hairdryer was. So fair call. I mean, and she was only like 21. So fair yeah. call to have a, a fear of lightning. I totally sure. get it. Um, but it was something that 
because there was such a fear, I wondered and I was curious about it. So I became attached, like attracted to it, I guess, in a weird, morbid way. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Well, speaking of storm, like fear storms, uh, you can collect water from those if you really need to do a a spell that packs a punch. So that's, yeah, if anyone has any um, requirements that need that kind of water definitely gather some from a, a I could just see so many people storm. standing outside with jars in the middle of storms now that you've said that <laughs> do it safely please <laughs> wear a wetsuit and some yeah. thongs ground yourself <laughs> oh gosh now other types of water are river water so rivers are usually fast moving and therefore you know if you do need a spell that works things um that works to speed things up quickly this is a great element to add in and it's also very uh, purifying and cleansing and then we have seawater so this one is super versatile because it's already salted so it can be used for used for cleansing protection healing and also for creating holy water it can also be used to represent ocean spirits and different deities as well and then we don't so seawater is used for holy water well, you can use it to make your own holy water. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And then we don't have this one locally to us, but snow. So snow is more peaceful in nature than hail and can be used to unthaw situations or people. Hmm. Hmm. And Which is interesting because then there's the spell where you bind and you put it in the freezer to keep it frozen. True. Like and to- you can also use snow in that way to have red spells where you can write the names on paper and bury it in the snow. So that's another, yeah, I guess Hmm. you can use it both ways. And then um, I do love this one. So morning dew. If you collect morning dew and apply it to your face before sunrise on Beltane, this is to heal and maintain your youthful beauty. Oh, okay. So So now I can see women waking up like early in the morning, like along the grass. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, keep those youthful looks. And then also on summer solstice, if you collect the dew, it is believed to increase your strength. Huh. And so, like, practices. what do you do with it? Oh, you could drink it or anoint yourself lick with it. it. Lick it. Lick the grass. <laughs> <laughs> or use it on your altar, I guess, or use it in spells. And dew collected from stones with little depressions in them, like a natural cup. They're called Balorn Stones and they were used by wise women and men in medicines to enhance their restorative and healing qualities. Balorn. Yeah, it's spelled, it's spelled B-U-L-L-A-U-N. Balorn. Mm. I think that's how you pronounce it. So, yeah, that's that a little... That sounds nice. It does, doesn't it? So if you find a little rock that's got a little little divot in it, you can collect puddle. water in that. Yeah, yeah, a little puddle of dew. Oh. Okay, so if we're going to talk about rocks, what about crystals then? Crystals. Oh, you've got moonstone and larimar, pearl, aquamarine, lapis lazuli, fluorite, all my favourites, and coral. They're all my favourite. Yeah, same here. I love them. I absolutely love them. So one of my favourites is aquamarine because it's also my birthstone. And it aids clear communication and courage. It can help you let go of old emotional issues that you might be holding on to. It's calming, soothing, cleansing. It allows you to let go. It's all those beautiful qualities that water holds itself. Um, I feel also, like it's a clean color, like a clean crystal too, aquamarine. Yeah, I always I think of cleanliness, like clean. Absolutely. I do too, Yeah. And then also in ancient law, aquamarine was believed to be a treasure of the mermaids and was used by sailors as a talisman of good luck, fearlessness and protection. So that's another little oh, I beautiful, like that. yeah, beautiful folklore around aquamarine. So and anyone then, with some with some boat boaties in their life, get them some aquamarine. For sure. Or if you're going to go on a cruise, which I know none of us are going to do anytime <laughs> in the near future. But... Ever. Like anytime ever. <laughs> And another favourite of mine is Moonstone. So it's on my pendant that I wear pretty much most days. It's aligned with the goddess energy and that divine feminine energy and it helps us to connect with ourselves and the spirits of nature. So it's another mm. favourite of mine. It's and one yeah. of my birthstones. Ah. Moonstone, beautiful. pearl and 
can't think of the other one right now. Um, but because all I'm thinking about right now is Larimar. I, I love, love Larimar. It looks like the ocean, doesn't it? When you it see does. those stones. That's why I love it. Mm. It's mm. so beautiful. Very I've got happy. a really nice little. Um, looks like a rock, like a little, um, like a little cube of Larimar. Mm. It's beautiful. Love it. I could just stare at it and find different yeah. things in it every time I look at it. For sure. It's expensive though. It's very expensive. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and it's only expensive because it's rare. Like it's only found in one part of the world. So true. And mm. they, um, when I bought mine, which was a few years ago now, the guy who I bought it from said that um, they've stopped. I don't know if they've restarted, but they stopped mining that area because the supplies were getting too low. So whatever Larimar you can find, buy it. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. That's good yeah. that they're being conscious of it because sometimes you worry about these things getting overmined and. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why it's also important to make sure that you buy ethically and source ethically from your crystals. Mm, 100%. Yeah. So, okay. Um, talking about those crystals, they're all very oceany colours. Like they're the blues and the little greens and the whites and the greys that is all ocean. So what other colours are there? Like random colours? Are you going to go, yeah, orange is the colour of water? <laughs> it's going to be like, well... <laughs> Well, yeah, you pretty much summed it up. So you've got like those blues, whites, grey, aqua, indigo, also uh, silver as well. And yeah, so I guess they're all very aligned with the, the colours that you see in the reflections of water and the ocean and rivers and yeah. So it's easy. You can't really go wrong. You cannot. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, so shifting over now, like I'm looking out my window and I'm thinking about, okay, water, what about plants? Like these these trees that I've got that are in front of me are hundreds and hundreds of years old. They're massive trees. Like I live in a virtual rainforest bush slash beachside town. Like it's random how many different things are going on where I live. What about plants then? Are there plants that are associated with water? For sure. So you've got uh, the obvious one, seaweed. Water lilies, aloe vera, because of its high mm. water content. Oh, because it's hydrate. Mm-hmm. And willow trees, because they love, love having their trees. roots in water and they're great for like soaking up soil, you know, that's quite waterlogged. Catnip, chamomile and foods such as coconuts, strawberries and watermelon, which are all yep. full of, of water. Yeah, I suppose cucumbers as well, maybe. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Um. What was I just thinking? Um, what about moss? Yes. Yeah, moss is another one. Yeah, that's on, on the list. There's a big list, but yeah. Yeah, because I've, seen, moss like, I've seen some places. spells. Yeah, I've seen some spells that include moss. Mm. Yeah, it's a, a mm. beautiful little magical ingredient. What about animals then? So, obviously, <laughs> you've got fish. <laughs> But no I thought shit. I, I know. Imagine that. But I thought I would go into a few um, that have some beautiful spiritual meanings behind them. So you've got the whale. So the whale is communication, truth, emotions, diving to the depths of the subconscious mind. Your favorite. I love the whale. <laughs> you have quite an affinity with the whale. And then you've got the dolphin. So dolphins are joy, play, community, and being in tune with our natural rhythms and the world around us. You think about how they frolic through the waves and they have quite, you know, community groups in their pods as well. So. Oh, and they're so intelligent. We went mm. diving with the dolphins, not the summit. Oh, maybe it was the summit that just went. Mm, I can't remember. Pretty sure it was the summit that just went. Might have been the summer before. I don't know. But we went diving with dolphins just up at Port Stephens, which is quite common for us to do where we go up there, which is we've got family there. Um, and they're so intelligent. Like they play with you, they hide, they, they run around, like they swim around you and um, they like, they, it's like they talk to you. They, they understand what you're saying. They're just, just they're so clever and whales oh, that too. Would be amazing. They're just so clever. Oh, there's so much about them. I think we don't even understand yet. Mm-mm. Mm. They have the longest orgasms too, I think, don't they? Oh, no, dolphins are the ones that are the only other species on earth that mate for pleasure. Yeah, that mm. is true. That is true. I think there's some, something else it does too. I can't think off the top of my head. 
I'll have to get back to you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> the pig is the longest orgasm and the dolphin is the, the one for pleasure. Fun. Yeah, I remember learning that when I was little, but then obviously I have the gift that keeps on giving of three children that when they get to the age <laughs> where they discover that, they tell me and it's brought back to the forefront of my mind. <laughs> funny so then you also have uh, a couple of animals that are or in insects that are out of the water too but closely aligned with that water energy so the dragonfly who are mozzies always, yeah true mozzie <laughs> as well but the dragonfly is change transformation and magic and also another one that i love the swan so swans oh. are love trust loyalty grace and beauty so mm. It doesn't have to particularly be an animal that lives in the water underneath the depths. It can be the ones that reside around it as well. Wow. Does elephants have anything to do with water? Not as far as I'm aware, but, yeah, they always are near water, aren't they? They tend to. And spraying it. Yeah. Like they they spread it around. So I was busting to ask you. I'm like, say elephant, say elephant, say elephant. (laughs) That's one I'll have to look into. Yeah, it wasn't mm. didn't come up in my, my research, but yeah. I know Lara Speaking of elephants, and I know that you'll get this jump to this and hopefully some of our listeners will too, but <laughs> what about like the mythology behind water and the deities and all those mythical creatures and um, like lore and culture mm. that sort of sits behind water? Gosh, there's so much. So across Europe especially in the UK, um, there's several sacred wells and natural springs that are riddled with folklore. And it's generally believed that these sources of water are imbued with healing properties and can cure pretty much any ailment. Uh, So many of these wells were originally revered by the Celts and later picked up by the Romans, who enhanced a lot of these sites across the continent by encouraging the worshipping practices and building elaborate altars and shrines across all of the UK. So when the Christians arrived, they adopted these same practices, turning most of the sacred wells into holy places. And the holy water there was named after saints. So some of the most famous of these healing wells include the Chalice Well in Glastonbury and also the Temple of Sulis in Bath, which I had the honour of visiting both of these amazing sacred places in 2018 and 2019 uh, when I went over there so I'll be able to post lots of pics to our socials and to give you a little uh, backstory so the Chalice Well Gardens is a site of the White Well and also the Red Spring and it's believed to be the final resting place of the Holy Grail hence the name Chalice Well. The water at the Red Spring has a reddish tint due to iron deposits which has long been associated with blood and healing so you can drink from this well Um, it's got like a little fountain there with it's like a little lion's head and the water comes out of the lion's head and they've got some glasses there. So my husband and I both drank out of there and uh, I can tell you it tastes quite funky. This It's very, very metallic. Yeah, like money. Yeah, really, really metallic. Um, but we both had quite profound experiences um, in that space. It was just, yeah, it was really beautiful. Connected. Yeah, yeah. So I'll definitely um, post some... I think I've even got a little video, actually. I'll have to try and find it and um, yes, post that please. to our socials because I think I've got Boo drinking it and kind of grimacing a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Going, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I do for you. I shit you not. I'm just looking at my laptop and the photo of the fountain just came up in my <gasps> screensaver. That is a bit weird. Of course it did. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. And then over to the Temple of Sulis in Bath. So it's one of the few remaining wells or baths without a name that is not a Roman or Christian name. So this suggests that the goddess Sulis, also known as the goddess of the gap, was so entrenched into the culture that she couldn't be removed. So similar to the Irish goddess Bridget that we spoke about in the episode of Imok. So the Temple of Sulis is a hot spring outside of Bath in England and it has long been used for healing and rejuvenation. The warm water was known as a cure-all for whatever ailments one had. The springs were really popular well into the 20th century. So these curative properties associated with wells make sense when we look into the chemistry of the water there. So the water 
that bubbles up from inside of the earth is full of minerals that have therapeutic properties. But some of these are toxic. So these minerals include calcium, bicarbonates, iron, sulfur, magnesium and salt, but also arsenic and radon gas, which I didn't even know what radon gas was, but apparently it's like a natural gas that rises in like damp, damp earth and it can be quite an issue. So magnesium mm. helps regulate cellular processes and muscle relaxation. Iron cures anemia and fatigue. The calcium aids in bone growth and healing as well as digestive issues. On the other hand, radon and arsenic that are very toxic and likely explain the visions some people receive while drinking <laughs> or bathing likely. in these waters. Yeah. <laughs> so they may not have been speaking with the divine. They might have just been slightly poisoned. So also <laughs> not recommended to drink the water. No. So when we're in Bath, um, you can't actually go near the water now. Like it's, you can see it and yeah, you, you can't bath in it and you definitely cannot drink it. But I will also post a photo. I've bought a little bottle of the bath water. So they sell it in like the tourist shop there. And um, yeah, you can bring it home with you. And it's got all these little floating deposits of iron and whatnot in there. So gross. So if I want to kill someone, you've got the (laughs) the magic potion. Never thought about that. I wonder if it's got arsenic in it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, we've now got it on recording. (laughs) That I have the goods. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, back to Bath. So, however, like all things, Wells not only had the power to heal but the power to curse. So despite Sulla's temple being largely used for its healing powers, it was also used for cursing an ode to the dual nature of the goddess of the gap, the goddess between this world and the next. When archaeological digs began, more than, a, more than 100 lead curse tablets were found inscribed mostly with curses for people who had done the person wrong or had stolen property from them. And I dare say some of that property may have been stolen while they were bathing naked in the baths, perhaps. But, uh, while, <laughs> <laughs> but while we were there, it was really cool. Um, you can see these artefacts that they uncovered there so there was the tablets the cursing tablets there was also heaps of jewelry so it's unknown whether the jewelry was given as an offering to the goddess Sulis or if it was just lost in there from people bathing because it was used Ooh. as a, a public bathhouse wow yeah, quite that's incredible. so fascinating um the goddess of the gap I'm I've heard of that before because I was called that once really yeah many 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 years ago like probably over 10 years ago. Wow. But it's only I'm only just remembering it just now and I can't really place where I know it from, but I remember someone calling me the goddess of the gap in a um in a circle that I sat in once. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, well, Um and I the- I I think I just took it as something really kind of um off the cuff like mm. when they discovered what who I was and what my abilities are and um my and experienced what my abilities were I I remember them saying it and me all I really remember is me thinking oh yeah cool that makes sense like that's a nice thing to say yeah well it does <laughs> but I didn't make think sense. that there was yeah. actually a goddess of the gap yeah there is her name is Sula there you go so I have to look will. into her now you will yeah for sure mm. yeah are there so any others? Um, information. Oh, there's so many. I could talk about this for days, but they're kind of the two, <laughs> the two main places that I yeah. wanted to touch on for this this episode. So, but I'll I definitely post lots of photos. Like they were out of my trip, um, especially in England. Those two places were just yeah amazing. They'll stand out for sure. I can visualize what they look like, especially the. Um, the bath I can mm. I can see it but I, I'm pretty sure the way that I'm seeing it is very fantastical compared to what it would be in person although I'm I'm not taking away from what it would be in person but I'm kind of seeing like a like a um uh Indiana Jones Tomb Raider type situation well it kind of looks like that seriously <laughs> oh, yeah <okay. laughs> yeah it's very Roman very um oh wow like the columns and the stone and Ah, yeah, maybe I'm having a psychic vision as opposed to maybe. just imagining. Maybe. Well, there you go. Maybe that's where I'm from. Maybe I know this place. Maybe. Yeah. I'm very intrigued by it, though. I can feel my solar plexus just going, oh, jump to this, jump to mm. this, jump to this. 
And Bath, the actual city of Bath is um, the whole entire place is heritage listed. Like it is just beautiful. Yeah, you would love it. Well, maybe one day. Yep. It'll happen. Maybe one day. It'll happen. Might have to have my own private jet in order to get there that doesn't require (laughs) a passport of any kind. (laughs) Who knows? Or dig some underground tunnels or grow a tail or something and swim there. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe this will be a new... Oh, no, I can't even say that because I don't mean it to be the way that it sounds without it sounding really rude and distasteful, but I almost feel like I need to catch a boat there and go under the radar like <laughs> it takes a whole new a whole new meaning to boat people because <laughs> I apologize for the distasteful comment that I just made but at the same time I'm pretty sure everyone knows what I mean who knows I'm gonna be avoiding like the plague um yeah. okay so I want to change the subject because now I feel really awkward <laughs> but <laughs> um elementals so i've been excited to talk about this because i know there's like water sprites and things like that so talk to me about those yeah so we've got uh as you just touched on water sprites nymphs mermaids kelpies fairies the kaliak ladies of the lake and sirens but i thought i would talk about another mythological creature from my own celtic lineage today it's the Selkie. So the Selkie often gets overlooked um, due to the popularity of sirens and mermaids, I guess, in mm. you know, popular culture and movies and all that sort of stuff. So I first read about um, the Selkies in a book called If Women Rose Root- If Women Rose Rooted by author Sharon Blackie. It's so such anyone- a good title. Oh, it's amazing. So for anyone interested in Celtic mythologies, this is a beautiful and really insightful read. And I have it here today because I am going to read a little bit from it. Um, So I'm going to kind of paraphrase a little bit. I'll break it down because it is quite a a big portion of the book and we'll be here all day otherwise. So basically the story goes, a young, good-looking Scottish fisherman who lives on the most outer western islands of Scotland goes for a stroll one evening along the beach. And of course, it's on the full moon and he stumbles across a group of enchanting women frolicking in the shallows. He hides behind a rock and watches them, totally enthralled at their beauty. He notices a pile of what looks like animal skins laying on top of the rock. And he recalls an old folklore story of the Selkie, a seal who can slip off her skin on the full moon and become a woman, but without that skin is trapped on the earth and cannot return to the ocean. He decides that these women personify his love of the ocean and he wants to to take one for his wife. So he takes one of the skins and folds it up and tucks it into his pocket. So I'll read some of the story from the book now, uh, which I will reference in the show notes. So after a while, the women called to one another and began to swim back to the rock each one finding and putting on her seal skin, transforming herself back into a seal in the wink of an eye, and then slipping away into the water, disappearing beneath the waves. All but one of them. She searched high and low, clambering over the rock and diving into the sea around it, but she failed to find her skin. Seeing her distress, the man stepped out from where he had been hiding behind the rock. I have your skin, he said to her, but I don't want to give it back to you. Won't you stay with me and be my wife? The seal woman shook her head and shrank back from him. But slowly and carefully, as if he were taming a wild animal, the young fisherman stepped closer to her. As he looked into her eyes, he saw hers change, widen and soften. Seven years, he whispered to her. Just seven years. Give me seven years and then I'll give you back your skin. After that, I'll let you decide. If you want to leave after seven years, then I will let you go. And at that moment, the first light of dawn crept into the sky and the glow of the moon began to fade. Reluctantly, the woman went with him, understanding that without her skin, she could do nothing. She had no choice. But he seemed to her to be a handsome young man and strong. His eyes were kind for all that he had visited this fate upon her. With one last yearning look over her shoulder, she waved goodbye to her sisters, their seal heads popping up from the sea, their eyes glinting dark like jewels in the fading moonlight. The young man was happier than he'd ever imagined he might be possible. He laid down beside his wife in bed at night, 
he fancied he could smell the sea. And he, as he listened to her breathing beside him, he fancied that he could hear the whisper of the waves. He was content. As for the seal woman, she bore him a daughter nine months after they were wed. At first, she seemed happy enough with her life and with her child. Mar Mara, she called her, after the sea. She would take her daughter down to the shore and teach her the ways of the law of the waters, telling her stories of the people and of the mysteries beneath the waves. The child loved the sea with all of her heart, but she was half human, so she loved the land too and could not imagine ever forsaking it. She was at home in her skin and knew her place in the world, but then so had her mother been when she was her daughter's age. The Selkie did her best to look after the child and care for her husband, but as the years went by, things began to change. He went away from the house more often, either fishing or drinking with his friends at the local inn, and she was left alone. She began to creep out by herself at night, stealing down to the shore, looking away for her sisters. But they had abandoned that beach on that night she was taken, fearing the same fate would befall them. So she watched and she wept, and as all hope began to fade, she became ever more sorrowful. Her skin began to dry up, and her eyes and her hair grew more dull. When the seven years were up, hating herself and needing to leave her daughter, but knowing that she must find her way back to herself, which could only come with finding her way home, she asked her husband if, she, if he would return her skin. But he simply laughed and refused. She was still the most beautiful woman on the island, and she was his. Why would he ever let her go? The seal woman grew slower and sadder. Frightened that she might lose her, Mara asked if she was ill, and finally her mother told her that she was fading from yearning for the lost home beneath the sea. Fading, although she loved her husband still and loved her daughter more, she was stranded in this place where she could not find a way to belong. Mara feared the blank emptiness that had begun to reside in her mother's eyes, and so she started to search for the Selkie's lost skin. She searched every part of the house and every part of the land, but she couldn't find it. She searched and searched until she exhausted herself. Then eventually one night, after she had spent hours searching again while her father was out and her mother asleep, she found herself yawning in the boat shed and crept into her father's boat to take a nap. And there, under a heap of fraying ropes and soiled sailcloth, she finally found the seal skin, hidden still inside the pocket of the old jacket that the fisherman had been wearing on the night he stole her mother away. As Mara pulled at it and the skin rolled out, she caught a faint whiff of the sea, the smell of her mother. But as she picked it up from the floor, where it had fallen, the skin began to disintegrate in her hands. It was old and desiccated. It had not been used in such a long time, and now it would never be used again. Mara hurried home and wakened her sleeping mother, and with tears in her eyes brought her down to the shore, where she presented her with her old shredded skin. She watched as her mother sank to her knees and wept. She saw the hope and then the life begin to drain out of her eyes, and then she acted. She half carried and half dragged her mother down to the sea, where she rolled her into the shallows and let the seawater cover her body. Slowly, slowly, the sulky woman began to revive. But as she walked back to the house with Mara, there was nothing but emptiness in her eyes. For many weeks, the sulky woman stayed in her bed. Her heart was a black hole. There was no help to be found. And her life stretched ahead of her, endless, dark and hopeless. She would never find her way home, never find her place, never find a way to belong. But Mara would not let her mother die, and so she went to visit the old wise woman who lived in a small stone cottage up in the hills at the far end of the village. She asked the old Kaliak what she should do to help her mother, whether indeed anything could be done. Your mother must help herself, the old woman told Mara. You cannot do it for her. And though I know the way of herbs and moss and the path that animals take through these old woods, I do not know the ways of the sea. But there is one who does, and if your mother can find her way to it, she may well tell her how she can be saved. And to cut the story shorter for the podcast, Mara tells her mother what the Kaliak had told her, that she must find the old woman of the world. And then the Selkie sets off on quite this big, long, arduous adventure to find her. 
And when she does, the old woman of the world tells her that what she must do to be able to return to the ocean, which is another big, long journey of itself. But this one quote really, really struck me. So this is what the old woman of the world says to the Selkie. So your old skin was no use anymore, she said, looking long and deep into the fire and nodding as though she could see pictures in the flames. That's the way it goes, often enough. I've heard all the stories they tell of Selkies who find their old skins and slip them back on. And away they go, out into the ocean and live happily ever after, just as if nothing had ever happened to them and nothing had ever been learned. That's all well and good, but it doesn't always work out that way and sometimes it shouldn't. And so after that, the Selkie does all the things required of her and ends up being able to return to the ocean. And of course, poor Mara mourns her. But her mother is able to return once a year on the full moon closest to the anniversary on which she left. She would meet Mara on the beach and tell her stories. And she taught her the song that one day if she wanted to take to the sea herself, if she sung this, it would call in her Selkie kinfolk. And I love this summary um, at the end of the folktale in Sharon's book. And I think, um, yeah, I'd love to know what you think about this. These Selkie tales resonate strongly with women, for the Selkie song is our song. It is a song of yearning, yearning for a part of ourselves that we feel we have lost, or maybe a part we feel we might once have had but never knew. How many of us have lost our skins to this super rationalistic world in which we cannot feel at home, in which we cannot feel as if we belong? No matter how furiously we pile on the trappings of the wasteland, no matter how cleverly we shed our own fragile skins and clothe ourselves in the coarser skins of men which do not fit us, or the thick traditional female skins which suffocate us, we cannot hide the fact that it does not work. We do not, fr we do not thrive. Sometime or another, we will know it. Sometime or another, we will break. The Selkie story is, of, is the story of a woman who breaks, taken literally out of her element, trapped on the land where she cannot find a way to belong. She has lost her place in the world and consequently lost her stories. Like the Selkie, so many of us lose our skins and all too often we lose them early. This can happen in so many ways. It may be stolen by another who does us harm. We may give it away to someone we trust who then betrays us, or we might hide it for safekeeping and then forget where we hid it. Mm. Oh, man. Wow. Oh. <laughs> I can't even. Like, I, I could have just listened to you read that endlessly, honestly. Like, that, what, and I'm like, oh, I have no words. I'm just... It's the first time I've ever heard that and I felt so in it and so connected to the story and in flow with it. It was kind of strange. It's just, um, wow, wow. Now you can just see wow. why I've wanted to share that one. I just, it's one of my favourite uh, mythologies of Celtic origin and it's just one that I deeply, I think most women, um, if not men as well, can really resonate with in this modern time of feeling like you've lost your skin, that you don't know your place and it, that, that yeah. yearning, you know, it's, yeah. I was thinking was really that when, when you were reading the last bit, especially the, the little summary at the end. Um, yeah, because I, I know that you and I have had conversations before where I don't really identify with a masculine feminine desire of healing or anything that I need to do masculine or feminine. I just have a desire to fulfill my spirit. And so mm -hmm. my spirit is neither masculine or feminine. It just is. Um, and I could apply it to even my spirit. It's just coming to this earth and just feeling like I've traded something. I've traded my element, which is the divine realm I've traded it for the human realm and I've had mm. to figure out how to live on this earth and do it the way that the earthlings do it and the way that everybody else does it. Um, and then when you do discover who you are again and you're reminded of who you are again and it's given to you through magical ways like the Selkies was, um, it's still a path to, to reconnecting that and, and being with it 
and sacrifice and um, and knowing and faith. Oh, I love that. Love it. Oh, thank you so for sharing because that. that was just next level. I'm going to have to buy that book and read it because I just want to read. I just want to uh, – actually, can I just get you to read it to me when I go to sleep at night? <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else just like absolutely just love listening to Shannon read that? Oh, my God. Oh, thank you. And I, I love sharing it. It's This stuff is what lights me up and, yeah, these stories and – I can highly, highly recommend that book. It blew blew my mind. Yeah, when I it I just read did it. something to my heart. Like I just feel really relaxed and calm and centered and home. Is that mm. weird? Like I just I listening don't think so. to that. I think that's something we miss in this modern world is the story, storytelling. Uh, mm. That was such a part of culture all across the world was sitting around a fire and your elders would tell stories and mythologies to teach you things and yeah I think it's so one more time what's the name of that book and the author please if women rose rooted by Sharon Blackie okay all right everyone get it make it an Amazon bestseller (laughs) for sure she deserves it while you're there who the fuck am I by Tracy Dimmick also make that an Amazon bestseller (laughs) Can also highly recommend that one too. <laughs> Can I have you read that one? Yeah, for sure. I'll do your audio book for you. Oh, I almost feel like, because um, I wanted to ask you another question um, that I completely just, I feel so full now that I want to end it on a really good full, like my cup has been filled with this magical spiritual element of water. And I have a couple of other questions that I want to ask you, but what about um, for people who don't really have an affinity with water? I mean, you and I do. You've got far more of an affinity with water in a very different way to what I do. But what about for people who who don't like water? Because I know like in my practice when I teach people things about the elements, people will stay away from water and they're like, no, I don't like water. I prefer fire or I prefer earth. So what can people do to get to know water and befriend it and incorporate it into their their magic or their their practice of their day? Yeah, for sure. So as discussed in the previous earth uh, element episode, so building an altar dedicated to that specific element is an awesome way to build a relationship. So to make an element around water, you can incorporate things like seashells, sand, driftwood, hagstones, uh, those crystals that we mentioned before, they're aligned with that energy of water. And of course, add water. Uh, so a little chalice <laughs> or a bowl. And then meditate in front of the altar, spend time with it, um, tend to it, you know, give it energy and then see what comes up for you. So it's a great way to, um, yeah, like journal and tune in and just see what arises. Mm. And also another beautiful way is getting to know your local bodies of water, so places nearby, so whether that's, you know, a a stream, a river, an ocean, a waterfall, a lake. Um, So spending time there and once again, like whether you just stand there and ground into that energy or whether you immerse into it, it's another way that you can build that relationship and get to know it. Hmm. And I suppose if you've had a bad experience with water, uh, it might be time for you to think about understanding the, I guess, spiritual element behind why that bad experience was there and how to mend your relationship with water. Mm, for sure. I know that's why I actually don't like to go into the ocean um, past sort of, well, I'm getting a little bit, well, I've gotten a lot of, a lot better over the last couple of years with this um, and I will go in in summertime now and put my head under and go to the point where I can't touch the ground but and I'm a strong swimmer I can swim Mm -hmm. but when I was 11 I drowned in a pool that would do it and yeah and so um, I was held under the water um, and it didn't like it's not why I, I guess everyone's like well why why have you got a fear of the ocean and like it's not the it's it's not a pool But my fear was more not being able to have control Mm. and how water um, would be stronger and more powerful. And so in a pool, I can easily maintain and control that situation by just staying away from everybody else. And I don't like swimming near people in pools and 
um, unless I can touch the ground and I'm firmly feet on the ground and I know where the ground is and I can stand up. Um, but in the ocean, there's just so much unpredictability and chaos and power and strength mm. and unknown that goes into the ocean's movement, That um, which is why I love it, but I don't like putting myself in it. <laughs> mm, fair enough. Mm. Yeah. So I think that the storm thing as well um, allows me to experience all of that of the ocean, but without being in the wave. I don't know. I guess that's a really beautiful yeah, way of sense. looking at it. Yeah, I love that. And yeah. another, um, I thought I would also touch on like a ritual that people can do, and it's quite an easy mm-hmm. one. And it's from my Sacred Stones book, which you know quite well. I love Sacred Stones. <laughs> so I do have a stone called Rest and Retreat that's dedicated to the goddess Sulis that we discussed before. But I do have another goddess in here that's associated with the water stone um, of emotions and healing. And her name is Coventina. And I will read from the book now. So this is a really lovely ritual. So Coventina is the Celtic goddess of rain, lakes, oceans, rivers and all water-based creatures. Due to her connection to water, she helps with emotion, purification, healing, dreams and psychic abilities. She heals all who swim in the water while, evoke, while invoking her energy. Associated with this goddess are coins, cups, dolphins and whales, the water element, pale blue, water lilies and the emotionally healing Larimar crystals, which we've touched on all of these today. So this ritual, you take an empty cup with you to a natural body of water, such as a pond, creek, ocean or river. Fill it with water and holding it against your chest, imagine all of the negative emotion you are holding onto being transferred from your heart through your hands and into the cup. When you feel it is time, pour the contents into the body of water before you and watch it merge and be drawn away from you for healing. Alternatively, you can go for a swim, ask Coventina to purify you of all negative emotions and attachments before diving in. Then when under the water, picture them being swept away and coming up cleansed. And the activation for this stone is, I feel to heal and I know this too shall pass. So yeah, it's a nice, easy one that anyone can do. It's a bit beautiful, isn't it? It is, it is. I think we um, forget that we can do these simple rituals, but they hold a lot of power. Yeah, with the intention behind it and a little Mm. bit of guidance and know-how from our resident witch, Shannon. (laughs) (laughs) Always happy to help. So I'm curious, what is the divine tool of the week? That one went off. (laughs) (laughs) I felt my my throat go as I did it. It was like, oh, no. I thought it was lovely. (laughs) So this week we are going to talk about beach sand magic so I thought that was an appropriate one considering we're talking about water and we've already covered moon water so I couldn't do that again so beach sand is one of the easiest things to incorporate into your spell work so it already has so many of the elements combined in it for protection and purification so sand is generally made up of crushed uh, seashells that was a bit of a mouthful salt (laughs) tiny crystals and the essence of the ocean So, for instance, shells are linked to the energies of fertility and creativity. They are repetitive in nature, so shells are great to use in magic to draw things into your life. And they also represent the Greek goddess of love, Aphrodite, so they can be used for love spells. Salt is used for protection, magic and abundance. Quartz crystal is found in sand and is an energizer and amplifier. And the essence of the ocean like the tides, the tides remind you of the changing but constant nature of life. The old will always be washed away and the new will always be ushered in. And along with it, some unexpected treasures that may have been hidden in the deep. So the beach is a place where all of the elements meet together. So the sun, the wind, the earth and the ocean. And so you can use beach sand to represent all of the elements as well. So use it as a base for magical sand mixes And this is always a lot of fun to create. So, for example, if you wanted to make some lucky sand to scatter around your home, you can add... Yes, please. Oh, yes. You can add properties of basil, rosemary and clover. 
And if you wanted to make a love sand blend to increase and promote love in your home, you can add rose petals, passion flower, or to spice things up some cinnamon. And to make protective sand, you can add similar things that you would to use, um, like to make witch's black salt that we discussed last week, such as ash from a ritual fire, protective herbs like mugwort, rosemary, Jupiter berries and sage, or the ash from burning these items as well. So sand is also much better for the environment to scatter on the ground outside instead of salt. And as always, with all, all things, ask your intuition in regards to where you can take sand from. So ask permission, make an offering or simply say thank you and be mindful that at some locations with spiritual significance, it may be considered disrespectful or even bad luck to take it from those places. So yeah, just be discerning, ask a local and respect local customs. Mm. So that is sand magic. It's yeah. I love that as well because sand is one of the things that um I look to for abundance. Mm. So I feel really connected to that little little um idea of using it as a divine tool. And I do use it. I was just thinking about my altar, one of my altars that I have at home, and it's got all the elements in it, but without intentionally doing that. I've got a shell that I smuggled in from Fiji and <laughs> got a big slap on the wrist from customs. Oh, no. I know. I forgot that it was there. I'd, we'd taken a backpack on a day trip with us just on, along the beach, and the boys were collecting shells. This was years ago, and there was a big shell that was put in the front zipper pocket, and I didn't know it was. I didn't mean mm. to bring it into the country but I did and I, I got taken into the customs area like where they check everything and I got a big talking to and a finger oh, shaking gosh. at me but I just did my little doe eyes and was just like I'm sorry my little boy did that and I didn't mean it. you can take it <laughs> and they're like he's like well that would be a shame wouldn't it and, and it, it, like I probably should not have been allowed to bring that shell yeah. in but I did so I've kept it very close to me so it sits on my altar I've got my sage and um, a big white cockatoo feather that mm. I have as well in there. Um, I've got my picture that you gave me um, from Gracie Mears with the owls. Um, I love that one. For my spirit animal and for the wind. Um, and I've got candles and I've got um, I've got crystals and I can't think of what else is on there now. There's something else on there too, um, oh, an incense burner. So I've got all the elements on there, but I was just th – and then I've got sand sitting in the mm. sage bowl to be able to put my sage yeah, out with. And I'm like, oh, I've created this beautiful little um, little altar here that's actually quite beautiful. It is. That sounds perfect. You've covered all of the elements. That's beautiful. I have. Mm. Well, thank you for that, Shan. I've enjoyed it. I loved talking about this and, um, yeah, I'm going to go on now and buy a book Yeah, I... <laughs> that I'm going to have to add to my reading list. <laughs> oh, my God. There's so many. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it and I look forward to next week we will be covering air. Yay. Yeah, so tune into <laughs> that one because that's one as I have spoken about has – been a challenge for me to build a relationship with but mm -hmm. yeah we'll talk all things air i can't wait till you do fire oh i know i'm leaving that one for last <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah laura is not having that one with you that is mine i don't care if i am sick and we have to like break covid rules we are filming we are recording the fire <laughs> oh yes and hence why i'm leaving that one to last that's a that's gonna yeah. be a big one as well i think so mm. yeah well, follow us on turns out underscore she's a witch over on Instagram. Also, um, as part of the turns out network, there's turns out she's psychic and turns out it's haunted. Turns out underscore she's psychic, turns out underscore it's haunted. If you've got something that you'd like Shannon to cover, a topic or a question for Shannon or even myself, send us an email at tospsychic at gmail.com uh, and check out shannon's beautiful offerings and divine tool maker offerings over at asha moon yes please do and we did actually have a reader question um i have already responded to her but didn't get a chance to read it out today today was a big one with water so i think we'll bring that up next episode yeah okay yeah all right i'll make a note and we'll, we'll save it for air 
We shall. We shall. Okay. Bye, everyone. All right. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.